today whoa, in our Bibles. You know, I'm preaching today out of the uh, ESV translation, and uh, it was interesting, our class was talking about translations in the Bible today, uh, but usually I preach out of the New American Standard, and I have about four or five Bibles uh, that I can use to preach out of, that I get my footnotes up in the margins, uh, and we've been in James chapter 1 so much in the past month that I ran out of Bibles that had empty space for my notes. So now I'm having to use an ESV Bible uh, so you know where we're coming from today. James chapter 1. Um, so when you find that I'm reading a little bit different than what your New American Standard says, you will uh, certainly know why now. Uh, today we'll finish James chapter 1, I think, uh, if the Lord lets us. I think we've preached all the verses in it. Well, there's a couple that we didn't touch on, but... I pray that he lets us move on to another chapter, perhaps James 2. Today I want to talk to you about your faith. You know, there's um, things happening in our society and in our churches um, that are disheartening to a degree uh, because we're finding that the church is beginning to accept things in society uh, that it should not accept. Okay? Uh, there's a research group called Barna Research, and they do a lot of uh, polls and research on Christian values in America. One of their recent surveys shows that one out of every three uh, born again, I'm doing this uh, because I don't think they are, but that's what the survey expressed. One out of every three born again Christians uh, is accepting of same-sex marriage. Okay? One out of every 3.5 born-again Christians believe that it's okay to live with someone before you get married to them. A Christian in America is more likely to experience divorce now than a non-Christian, according to a born-again survey. If James, who wrote this book, knew that, I believe he would roll over in his grave. Okay, the reason why is because none of those things really line up with Scripture, but yet people are calling themselves born-again Christians, believing that they'll go to heaven when they die because they made uh, a statement or went through a process in a church somewhere that they now believe they're saved. James is the kind of author that doesn't uh, really hide anything does he? he he comes out swinging and he comes out punching and he doesn't care who gets in the way because he's speaking God's word he's speaking truth apparently there was a discrepancy in the church back when James wrote this so he felt the need to write this letter to set things straight to distinguish between a genuine faith and a manufactured faith 
So today at the uh, James 1, we're going to read a few verses and we're going to discuss this genuine faith and manufactured faith. Let's stand together as we read James chapter 1, beginning in verse 22. The Bible says there, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at, the nat at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Verse 25, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let's pray together. Lord, bless your word uh, today at Aaron Springs Baptist Church, Father. Fill each heart in this room with it. Lord, let us know if our faith is genuine or if we have manufactured it ourselves. Before we leave today, Lord, let lives be changed in this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Genuine faith, do you have it? Do I have it or not? You know, that's not an academic question. That's not something that we could give you a test and you would fill out some answers and then we would know the result. That's not an academic question. Do you have genuine faith or not? It is really an eternal destiny question. The answer to that question will determine where you spend eternity. You'll either spend it with Him or you'll spend it separated from Him. You'll spend it in heaven where God has prepared a place for His people or you'll spend it in hell where God has prepared a place for the devil and his followers. So it's not something that you can just answer lightly. It's something that will determine where you spend eternity. It's a serious question, is it not? Is my faith genuine or is it manufactured? This is not a battle between two opinions. I'm not going to look at you and tell you what I believe your faith is. And you can't look at me and tell me what you think my faith is. It's not a matter of, uh, of our opinions. What it matters is that it is a submission to God's Word. Brother Clay is not telling you Brother Clay's opinion today. Everything that I say today you will find right here in this text and other places that we will read together. But I want you to know that it is an important question. It is a valuable question that you come to a conclusion for of yourself. A preacher was giving a class in Bible study one day, and, and he came to a part in the Bible study where they were going to deal with the promises and the commands of God. And so he said this, what do we do with the commands and the promises of God? And a little woman raised her hand and she said, I underlined the promises in red and the commands in blue. And the preacher said, that's great if you want to have a colorful Bible, underline the promises in red and the commands in blue. 
He says, here's what you need to do. Trust the, command, trust the promises and obey the commands. Don't just underline them in your Bible so you'll know where they are. They're there for a reason. The promises are for us to trust. The commands are for us to do. So, is my faith genuine? Well, what am I doing with the commands of God? What's happened to the church in America? Well, James writes to us here. He says that to hear the Word of God and not obey it leads to deception. But to hear the Word of God and then do what it says leads to blessing. Sometimes I have to counsel young couples that want to be married. And so the first thing I do is I ask them, uh, how's it going? And we have a discussion and we talk and then I, then I get a little bit uh, more in depth and I say, are y'all living together? Okay, about eight out of ten say yes. And I say, okay, then let me ask you another question. Are you having uh, sexual relations with each other? They kind of have a shocked look that a preacher would ask them that, but they answer yes. And then I say, do you want God to bless your marriage? I have not had one couple say no. They all say yes. And then I said, then you need to start doing what God says, not what man says. Do the word and you'll be blessed. If you hear the word and don't do it, you'll be deceived. Amen? That's what's happened to America. That's what's happening to the church today is we hear the word, but we don't do the word. And therefore, James tells us, we're deceiving ourselves. We're deluding ourselves. Your Bible may say it in that way. Last week, we uh, were here together and we talked about verse 21, which says this. It says, Receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. Receive that word of God implanted in your heart, which is able to save you. We discussed that, didn't we? Today, I want to put the emphasis on that word. James is not writing to the outcast and downtrodden of society. James is writing to the church. Look in verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers. Count it all joy, my brothers. He's writing to the church. Amen. He's writing to you and me. And James says that we are not people who just once in a while hear the word. We hear the Word all of the time. We hear the Word on a weekly basis in the least. You may listen to Christian radio during the week. You may even read your Bible during the week. Hallelujah. And you here receive the Word on a daily basis. James is not writing to those who don't hear the Word. He's writing to us who do hear the Word. Okay? Perhaps these people he's written to have some, uh, I don't want to use the word pride, but they have some confidence in the fact that they do hear the word frequently. In fact, they even have a little bit of confidence in their ritualistic routine of going to church weekly or bi-weekly. 
they, they have the routine of, uh, or, or the knowledge and confidence in knowing that they've been baptized. They have the confidence in knowing that they're giving of their tithes. They have the confidence in knowing that they have a good attendance in church and that they are adhering to the law of God. They're not stealing. They're not committing adultery. They're not murdering. They're not taking God's name in vain. They have a confidence in that. But here, James cuts through the outer layer of religion straight to their heart. All right? Let God do that for you today. Let Him and His Word penetrate this outer scale of religion that you have and let Him talk directly to this this morning. That's what James is after. That is certainly what God is after. So I want to make a couple of points. Point number one is this. The one who hears the word without doing it is deceiving himself. Look again in verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Obedience is always the bottom line of the word whether it is spoken to you, taught to you, or read by you. Obedience is the bottom line that God is after when He gives you His Word, and He is serious about that. Proper obedience, then, must be built upon proper interpretation. I can think what I want this to say, and I can even make it say what I want it to say, but I need to read it, for what it says, not what I want it to say. Amen? Always remember that. Context is king in Bible interpretation. Everything in this book is profitable for you and I. Everything is for our training, our correction, our teaching, and our reproof. Every chapter in this Bible has something to do with you. Even the boring genealogies you find back in the Old Testament. They have something to do with you. Amen? Don't read the Bible like a newspaper. Read it like it can change your life today. Because that's what God wants to do with it. James gives us three warnings. The first one we found in uh, verse 22 and 23. Hearers only... Take a quick glance, but they do nothing to fix the problem. Look in verse 23. It says there, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. This man sees the problem... In the mirror, he's got stubble. He needs to shave. This man sees a problem in the mirror. He's got the bad head. He needs to fix his hair. This man sees the problem that his face is dirty. He needs to wash his face. But what does the Bible say? If he takes a glance in the mirror but goes on about his way, he forgets what he looked like in the mirror. In other words... He doesn't have time to comb his hair, and he doesn't have time to wash his face, or he doesn't have time to shave. Amen? 
the one who hears the word, takes a quick glance at it, but doesn't fix the problem that the word revealed to him. The mirror reveals it. He does nothing to correct it. God's word is a mirror. When you read it, you see yourself in it. If you just glance at that quickly and go on about your day and do not fix the problem that the Word brings out to you, this is who James is saying you are. You are a hearer of the Word only. You're not fixing the problem that the Word showed to you. Is it okay to live with someone before you get married to them? What does the Word say? No, it is not. It is fornication. You are violating God's Word. Well, what can I do? The Word has revealed that to me. I'm doing it, but I'm going to go on doing it. I am a hearer of the Word, but I'm not a doer of the Word. A hearer of the Word only deceives himself. You see that? It's serious business, is it not? Now, God's Word is the mirror, but God's Word wants to go deeper than just the appearance of stubble or bad hair or a dirty face. Here's what God says, For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of bone and marrow. And it is able to judge the intentions and thoughts of my heart. Wow, that is a mirror. That's what God says it is. It's a mirror. It exposes my attitudes. I think I'm okay, but when I read something and it exposes what I'm experiencing in my life, i got a bad attitude about that. The Bible will expose that. The Bible also reveals... My pride, the Bible, uncovers my contempt and lack of compassion. My Bible confronts my greed and my lust. And if I don't fix those things as the Bible reveals them to me, James says, Clay, you're deceiving yourself. Your religion is worthless. You're not who you say you are. Wow, James, take it easy a minute, man. Give me a break, James. You know, I I look in the mirror sometimes just to look. There's some things I can't change. I can't change how tall I am. By the way, that's one gripe I have about all mirrors. They're all too low. I have to go like this to look in mirrors at my house, except for the one in my bathroom. Thank you, church, for remodeling my bathroom. And when I put that mirror in, I went, whoop. So if the next pastor is shorter than me, you're going to have to move it down. But when I look in the mirror, there's things I can't fix. I can't fix this gray coming out in my head. I, I can't fix this big nose on the front of my face. I can't fix how tall I am. I can't fix the wrinkles that are appearing on me now. I can't fix those things. But that's not what God's after. He's after me to fix this. This is what God reveals to me. Have you ever looked at your face in the mirror, not to see dirt, but to look in your own eyes? 
to see who you are? I know you have because I've done it. We've all done that. We look at ourselves. Who am I? What am I doing? Why did I do that? Why am I not doing that? Okay? There are things I can't fix, but God is after the things that I can fix. He wants me to hear His Word. You know what hearing without doing, you know what that is? That's the default mode of a fallen heart. Now we're getting genuine. Is my faith genuine? When you look in the mirror, this mirror, and God says do this, but you don't do it, that's the default mode of a fallen heart. You may not have genuine faith. That's what this message is about today. That's what God is concerned with you about today. The default message, the default heart, tries to blame somebody else. They try to blame another person or, or another object. They try to dodge the responsibility. It, it really wasn't my fault, you know. They, uh, the, the application of the word requires for you and I to make a heart-wrenching gut decision to submit to it. It's not easy to submit to God's word, is it? But it is what we do as Christians because we are doers of His Word, not hearers only. It takes focus to submit to God's Word. It takes a, a, a decision, an altering, life-changing decision to submit to God's Word. Hearers only of the Word forget what they heard. Verse 24, look at that again. For he who looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like forgets. It's not the mirror's fault. The mirror's not to blame for the faults that it brings out in my life. The mirror's not uh, the one uh, on trial here. I am the one. The mirror simply shows it as it is. But if I have no time or no desire and I walk away from that mirror, I forget what I look like. Hey, there's times I'll walk over to the church in the morning and I, I may not have a hat on. I typically wear a hat to cover up the bad head, you know. At least I comb it. But sometimes I'll walk over here and I'll get over here and I'll say, oh my gosh, I don't have my hat on. I saw it in the mirror. I needed to comb or I needed to wear a hat, but I forgot as soon as I walked away. You got the idea? When you look in the Word and you don't do what it says, you forget what it says. It's easier to not remember God's word to us than to try to deal with it and make a change in our life because a change is not easy. It takes a decision to submit to God's word. Okay? This man who looks and then walks away, James describes him as someone who doesn't care what he looks like. He, he's willing to accept his faults. We want to change what we can there are some things we cannot change. God wants to change your heart. This man doesn't have a poor memory. He has poor priorities. When you look at God's Word and it wants you to do something in your life to correct something and you don't do it, it's because it's not at the top of your priority list. Suddenly other things have become more important than this and Him. It's kind of like you telling your child to go clean their room. And so 30 minutes go by and you go in the room and the room's not been touched and he's laying on the floor playing with his toys. You said, hey, I told you to clean your room. What's his response? 
I forgot. I forgot. And he'll keep forgetting until you uh, give him a stiff enough penalty to move that priority to the top of his list. Amen? So, we don't have poor memory when we read God's Word and then walk away from it and forget. We have poor priority. God's Word's not important. You know, heaven and, 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 and mansions and golden streets and, and angels singing and seeing my lost loved ones, those are all nice and pleasant. And I look forward to that, but it's not at the top of my list. Because I got things to do. And I got places to go and I got people to see. And so when I read God's word and I just don't do what it says, I forget. We not need to forget. God warned us about forgetting. He says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Then watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Don't forget that God saved you, changed your life. Don't forget that, brother, because God's now calling you to obedience. Another one, Deuteronomy 8. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that He might humble you. Another one, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits. One more in Psalms. 103. But the loving kindness of the Lord is for is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. What did James say in our text? If you're a hearer only, and not a doer, you'll be deceived. But if you are a hearer and a doer, you will be blessed. Do you want God to bless your life? Then you need to start hearing and doing His Word. Amen? No hearers only, we glance, but we do nothing to forget the Bible. Or we do nothing to forget God's commands because we have a priority problem. Uh, another warning. Hearers only end up deceiving themselves. James mentions this deceptive word twice in our text. What does he mean by that? Let me say this. I, I never would say this except for today, okay? This is a dangerous place to be. Now, usually I say this is the safest place you can be. No one's ever died of a heart attack in a church service. But today I'm going to tell you this is a very dangerous place to be. Because you're reading for yourself and you're hearing God's Word. Now you're stuck. Now you've got to do it. Because if you don't, then you will be deceived. And you don't want to be deceived. I know none of you do. So you want to do God's Word. This is a dangerous place to be. The Word is proclaimed week by week. You may go to Sunday school and have the Word taught to you. You've read your Bible daily. You are reading God's Word on a daily basis. You hear it, but you don't practice it. You're deluding yourself. You're deceiving yourself. The solution is not to avoid the Word. 
The solution is not to come to church to avoid hearing God's message. The solution is to apply it to your life and to begin to do the Word. Why? Because it uncovers problems in your life that are separating the fellowship between you and God. And He wants to break all of that down and fix it so that you and Him can be together. And He gives us His Word in a way that we should live and walk so that that can be accomplished for us. Each book of this Bible, as I said earlier, is for your application to life. Mark Twain, the famous author, said this, It's not the things in the Bible that I don't understand that give me trouble. It's the things in the Bible that I do understand that give me trouble. Apply the word to your life. The deceived man thinks he's religious. He takes pride in his parents. But he does not apply the word. He prays, he ties, he fasts. But he does not bridle his tongue. That's simply an example that James gave to us. Let's look at that a little closer. Verse 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres being no hearer, who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this man's religion is worthless. A simple example, it's not the ultimate decision of God that you can't keep your mouth shut, or that you can't stop cussing, or that you can't keep trashing people or gossiping about people. Okay? It's an example. It's a good example. Amen. James highlights the tongue in chapter 3 and tells us all about it. But we're not going to go there this morning. But he gives the example that if we think we are a religious person, but we can't clean up our mouth, then we are deceiving ourselves. And our religion is useless and worthless. This is what James is saying. Man, what a great example Jane pulled out of the air to teach us that truth, right? We want to be someone who can control our tongue. We want to be the person who is religious and also applies that religion to my speech. What about you, brother? We've looked at the hearer only. Now let's look at the other guy that James describes uh, in verse 25. But... The one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. There's some points under that that we need to look at. The blessed hearer and doer looks with perseverance into the Word. Notice that. It's not a guy who just runs by the mirror. This is a guy who looks into it. That word, looks into, is the same word that was used when John and Mary, at two different times, stooped down to look in the tomb of Jesus. Now, could you imagine the look on their face? I bet they were as wide-eyed as a human could get, looking in that dark tomb to see if he was in there. This is the same word that's used in Hebrews, to describe uh, when the angels long to look into the doctrine and teaching of salvation. The things that God gives you and I. The Bible says in Hebrews that the angels long to look into that. 
They, they don't experience that grace and forgiveness like you and I do. Right? And so this word is not just a glance. This is a word that means I look into it. I study the word. I, I'm enveloped in the word. I'm interested in the word. This man sees the problem and he fixes the problem. Whatever the word reveals to him, this guy takes care of it. Yogi Berra, the great New York Yankee, said this, You can see a lot of things by looking. Great wisdom, right? You can see a lot of things by looking. And that's what God wants you to see. God asks you to look into His Word. There's a lot of times when I have to read the text several times to try to grasp the meaning or the purpose. There's no shame in that. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. That's His job, His responsibility, to teach you the Word. So when you come across some scripture that is difficult, ask Him. Say, God, I need your help understanding this. God doesn't want you to be in question. He wants you to be informed. So you need to ask Him about the scripture and He will reveal that to you. Look into that scripture. The second thing, the blessed hearer and doer applies the word to his heart. The first guy doesn't apply the word. He might have a religious mode in him by doing external things as far as attendance and giving of the tithe and praying, but he doesn't have the heart for it. God made mention of this in uh, Isaiah. Let me read that to you. Chapter 29, Then the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their words and honor me with their lips, but they remove their heart far from me. You see, God's goal of Bible is obedience. Obedience from the heart, not obedience externally. Not doing those things that everybody can see. Doing the things that no one else can see. And James gives us a great example of that. Look what he says in verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Is that really religion? Is that really all there is to religion? Is visiting widows and orphans? Golly, how easy could that be? A ticket to heaven because I go visit orphans and widows. Uh-uh. That's an example and that word visit there in the Greek does not mean a social drop-by visit. It means that you long for and care for this person. And guess what? With orphans and widows, there's no dividend. There's no payback. You don't get anything for helping them. In fact, most of the time... Nobody knows you're doing it but you and him and her or the child. That's what God's after, right? Don't pray on the street corner so that everybody can hear you praying. Get into your closet and pray. And your father who will bless you, your father who sees in secret will bless you. The same with giving, amen? Don't give that everybody knows what you're giving or anybody knows what you're giving. 
But give in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will bless you. You see that? The same for this. Religion. It's not just widows and orphans. It's doing things from the heart for somebody else and getting no acclaim for it. And receiving no reward for it. And receiving no recognition of it. You see, that's what Jesus is talking about and what God is talking about. The Word applied to us. Here, James calls it the law of liberty. What does that mean? The law of freedom. Well, Jesus said it best. He said in John chapter 8, verse 31, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free or make you free. God's word walked in will show that you're a disciple, and as you are walking in the Word, you will discover freedom in that. Amen? How many of you are free today because of God's Word? Yes, we all are as Christian followers and believers. We are not trapped by the world. We're not hung up by the deception of this world. He says there that we need to look into this Word with perseverance. Meaning it is a continuous thing. I don't do it once in my life and then let it go. It's a continuous act of walking and applying God's Word to my life. Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor does he stand in the path of sinners, nor does he sit in the seat of scoffers, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in this law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree planted by streams of water. And he will bear fruit and his leaf will never wither. And whatever he does in it, he will prosper. Wow, that's what we want to do, isn't it? That's who we want to be like. We want to be in the Word and apply that Word. And God wants that for you as well, my friend. One more thing. The hearer and the doer applies the Word so that it will change their conduct and their character. This is in contrast to the religion of man where I come and and do and come and, and and do and come and do, but the Word never penetrates my heart, and so I'm not changed on the inside. This is in contrast to that. This man who hears and does the Word applies it so that his heart will be changed. Amen? It says in Psalm 68 that Jesus it says, A father of the fatherless and a judge for the widows is God in His holy habitation. I, I read that too late, but it had to do with the orphans and widows. That's where James got this. God is that. He wants you and I to become that. When we care for someone, when we, when we go out of our way, when we lose our priorities for God's priorities, then suddenly things begin to change around us and suddenly our heart begins to change. He goes on to tell us that He wants us to keep ourselves unstained from the world. Listen, we, we have to live in this world. Paul told us to live in it but not be of it. There's a difference. What is the world that God is telling us about? It is the 
world order of Satan in the evil principles that he is putting out, you and I are to stay away from those. You and I are not to adhere to those. You and I are to remain unstained from those things. To be in the world, but not to be of the world. We are not to embrace the goals and the values and the priorities of God, uh, of God, of this world. We are not to embrace those. Look, if you uh, find pleasure in the world, then you are known as an enemy of God, James chapter 4. Don't let the world and its allure affect you. If you go to a television show or watch it, or you go to a movie and it mocks God's Word or God Himself, get up and walk out. It is not for you, brother. It is not for you, sister. You hear God's name in vain? Get up and walk out and go out and demand your money back. You won't get it, but at least you'll make a point that I'm not going to listen to that trash anymore. I'm not going to listen to God or His Word being mocked. That's what TV does. That's what movies do. Avoid those things. However, we're not supposed to stay so far away from them that we cannot befriend sinners. That's what we're supposed to do. It's a balance. I I have to befriend sinners to, to lead them to Christ, but I don't want their influence in my life the things they're doing. Love the sinner, hate the sin. Amen? I believe that's in James as well. So James gives us a lot of good information. We are to keep ourselves unstained from the world. This message is for us, each individual. The pastor's greeting the people after they Service is over and a little gray-haired elderly woman comes up and gets him by the hand and says, Great message, Pastor. I loved every bit of that sermon. She said, Everything you said applies to somebody I know. Right? That's the mentality sometimes. We hear things and we're thinking about, Oh, so-and-so ought to be hearing this. God wants you to apply it to you. God wants His Word to be applied to your heart. James is not meant for the application of others. James is not meant to underline the promises of, uh, in red and the, and the commands in blue. James is meant to be obeyed by you and I. God wants you to apply this to your life. Do you have genuine faith? Do you want God's blessing in your life? The answer is clear. Hear the Word and do the Word, and you will be blessed in what you do. If you don't care then you just listen to the message and you go on out those doors and you don't let it change you. And the longer you do that, the more you'll be deceived. And the more you're deceived yourself, the more you'll deceive others. How many people do you know that don't come to church because of the actions of a Christian in the church? I could count, it would take more than my fingers and toes to tell you how many people I've heard that don't go to church because of the actions of a Christian. That's a lousy excuse, but it is an excuse. What does that say about us? Hear the word, apply the word, so that my conduct and my character, my speech is changed by God. 
That's what he wants. That's what he's after. Do you have that or not? Let's pray. Father, we ask you to bless this moment as we all decide about that question. That we all decide if we are faithful to you, that we are genuine, or we've made this all up in ourselves because we want to go to heaven, but not toil in the work of God on this earth. I pray, Lord, you change every heart today that's thinking like that. I pray that you speak to every heart. Let your spirit have control of every person in this room. And let your will be done in this place right now. Lord, speak to us. We long to hear you. We need to hear you. Father, encourage us today and set us straight. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's